listening to Give God 90, where we're not afraid of the tough biblical questions, because we will dig through the language, the culture, and the history to find the truth revealed in the words of our Creator. Hello, everyone. We appreciate you sharing part of your day with us. My name is Jerry Mitchell, your host for Give God 90. And why are you not hearing me? Not very loud. Oh. Um, anyway, <laughs> we appreciate each and every one of you. Myra's trying to... Um, Make yes. sure all the sound's coming through right first. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, <Yeah>. everyone. <laughs> anyway, um, if you're new here, please visit... Uh, GiveGod90.com. Check us out there. There's all kinds of good stuff. There's some videos on there you might be interested in. A lot of times, um, you know, I I will mention the news or something and talk about some things that are going on, but there's I've got a lot to say tonight. I think I have eight pages of notes that I'm going to try and get through. So as we're doing this, um, I want to... Remind everybody, if you like what you hear, you know, hit those like buttons, the share buttons. There's, you know, notifications available so you know when we do this. Uh, And the chat room is open on Spreaker. If you have the free Spreaker account, you can join us there and leave a comment. So feel free to do that. Whenever you listen to this, by the way, uh, you know, I will get a notice that says, hey, somebody left you a... uh, a comment. Now the 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 title tonight, science you can trust. Um, is there science in the Bible? You bet there is, and all we have to do is look at Job. Now wait a minute. You say Job? That's kind of strange. Job is much more than the misery loves company book that uh, a lot of people want to make it out to be. The Bible is much, much more than just poetic literature. It's packed full of history, adventure, romance, sorrow, um, miracles, and yes, even science. Now, Meyer's going to read uh, in Job 26, beginning in verse 5. And Job is speaking here. uh, He's actually talking back to some of his friends, and he's going to get corrected for that later the spirits of the dead beneath the waters shake and so do those that live in the waters death is naked before god destruction is uncovered before him god stretches the northern sky out over empty space and he hangs the earth on nothing god wraps up the waters in his thick clouds but the clouds do not break under the weight of the water. God covers the face of the full moon. He spreads his clouds over it. God draws the horizon like a circle on the water at the place where light and darkness meet. Heaven's foundations shake when he thunders at them. God's power controls the sea. By his wisdom, he destroyed Rahab, the sea monster. God breathes and the sky becomes clear. His hand stabs the gilding snake. And these are only a small part of God's works. 
We only hear a small whisper of him. So who can understand God's thundering power? Now, there's a lot to take in there. But let's take a closer look at verse 10 for a moment. God draws the horizon like a circle on the water at the place where light and darkness meet. <clears throat> He's talking about the horizon, right? Well, maybe. Uh, um, now, this comes from the International Children's Bible, which she just read. Not all translations are the same, which is kind of odd in and of itself. You'd think that, you know, the same words would be used, but they're not always used. And a lot of people like to think that this means the earth is like a flat circle. But here, the children's Bible is kind of a poor translation. Uh, even the King James uh, uses the word compass, and that's not a lot of help either. Uh, better trans translation may be uh, from the Berean Study Bible, he has inscribed a horizon on the face of the waters at the boundary between light and darkness. Actually, the, the Creator orders a place where the horizon meets the water, but is Job actually talking about the place on earth where, more, where the water, I can't talk, where the water meets the sky when we look out across the ocean? In Genesis 1-6, uh, God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters and let it divide the waters from the waters. Well, that's kind of an odd way to say that, isn't it? Until you understand, Moses isn't writing about where the ocean meets the sky when we look across the ocean. In, in verse 7, uh, he writes, so God made the expanse and separated the water beneath it from the water above it. Now, remember, there's only one Hebrew letter that distinguishes between water and heaven. The letters that are that make up the word water, mayim, in Hebrew, uh, actually indicate powerful worship. And when the extra letter is added to make it shemaim, or heaven, we look at that and consider it that we need to press into that powerful worship. Um, so in, in Job 10, or verse 10 of Job 26, he may actually be referring to the separation of the waters that Moses would write about in Genesis. I said Moses would write about it uh, because it's considered by many that Job and Abraham were contemporaries, meaning they lived in just about the same time after the flood. Now Job speaks about Rahab, the sea monster, and don't confuse that uh, with Rahab in the book of Joshua. Two completely different things, even though the, the letters are the same for the name and the, uh, the probable sea monster. But, um, it, you know, it, it's... It's kind of funny that not all translations use this word. Uh, it is in the original, Rahab. And don't forget that when we translate these things out of the original, they lose some of their original pronunciation. So when Job was being written down, when the, when the 
lessons were being told over and over and over again, it probably wasn't pronounced Rahab. It could be. It could very well be Rahab, uh, Rahab. There's a few different ways that can be pronounced. But Job doesn't stop here. Okay, he makes kind of an interesting statement in Job twenty-seven one. Oh, I'm sorry, in Job 27.2. 27.1 is actually a break from uh, Job speaking, and it, and it gives us some narration. It says he continues. But actually, that's kind of misleading as well. Um, the, the King James actually said, um, moreover, Job continued his parable, and it kind of makes it sound like a fairy tale. But listen to what Job says beginning in verse 2 of uh, chapter 27. As surely as God lives, he has taken away my rights. God all-powerful has made me unhappy. As long as I am alive and God's breath of life is in my nose, my lips will, my lips will not speak evil and my tongue will not tell a lie. I will never agree you are right until I die. I will never stop saying I was innocent. I will hold tightly to the right things I said. My sense of right and wrong does not bother me at all. I'm glad I'm not the only one that can't talk tonight. Now, as surely as God lives, that is an oath, right? And what does he say? As long as I am alive and God's spirit is in my nose, my lips will speak no evil, my tongue won't tell a lie. What he's saying is, I will never reject my creator. Now, if the phrase, as surely as God lives, if that oath sounds familiar, it should. It's an oath that should never be taken lightly. Look at Isaiah 49.18. Look up and look around you. All your children are gathering to return to you. The Lord says, as surely as I live, your children will be like jewels. You will be proud of them as a bride is of her jewels. He swears on his own existence that he will make things right. Hmm. He's about the only one that can get really get away with that. Right? He's about the, you know, our creator is about the only one powerful enough when he says, as I live, as I exist, as I am here, as I am. And when he says that, he really doesn't take it lightly. He means everything he says. Job uses it as a declaration that he's not going to reject his creator. It's an extremely important statement from Job. And what he says is that that we can trust what he says. Now, in a few moments, you're going to see that uh, the Almighty kind of chastises him because what he's trying to do 
is say some things that he's only heard about, okay? We'll listen to that in a moment. And it's it's not because Job's saying this out of pride or arrogance. He, he's not claiming to be right. What he's actually saying is he has that very close personal relationship with the Almighty that we all would like to have. Now, beginning in chapter 38, the Almighty begins to speak, and he's chastising Job, and he, and he takes him down a couple of notches. He asks some questions, and quite honestly, only now are we actually beginning uh, to answer some of these questions. Now, I have to say this. I really like the way the, the Creator begins by telling Job, you know, man up, okay? You need to answer some really tough questions here, Job, so just suck it up. The Creator knows that Job's been through a lot. He knows what he's been going through. He knows all about it. But now... It's like, suck it up, buttercup. You've been dealing with Satan before, but now you're dealing, you're going to answer to me. Let's think about some of these questions from Job 38, uh, beginning in verse 4 for a moment. Where were you when I made the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand. Who marked off how big it should be? Surely you know. What were the earth's foundations set on? Or who put its cornerstone in place? Who did all this while the morning stars hung together? Who did this while the angels shouted with joy? Who shut the doors to keep the sea in when it broke through and was born? This was when I made the clouds like a coat for the sea, and I wrapped the sea in dark clouds. It was when I put limits on the sea, and I put its doors and bars in place. It was when I said to the sea, You may come this far, but no further. This is where your proud waves must stop. Have you ever given orders for morning to begin? Or have you shown the dawn where its place was? Joe's been speaking about creation. And now the creator himself saying, Were you there? Where were you? Where have you been all this time that you know all about these things? Job had heard the lessons. He's heard the tales. He heard all of these things. But he didn't see them for himself. And he's attempting to convince his uh, friends who came to see him while he was you know, going through his troubles that... You know, here's why I'm not giving up on my creator. And some some other interesting questions. You know, and this is remember, this is the Almighty speaking to Job, and he is he's putting him on the spot here. And he says he asks he says, This is a question. He asks, Have you ever gone to where the sea begins, or have you walked in the valleys under the sea? Have the gates of death been opened to you? 
Have you seen the gates of the deep darkness? Do you understand the great width of the earth? Tell me if you know these things. Can you take them to their places? Do you know the way to their homes? That's a lot to take in right there. Where does the sea actually begin? You know, has I know some people who have done some deep sea. When I say deep sea, I'm talking deep, deep sea, like 600 feet, right? It's dark down there. You can't see a lot, okay? All of these questions that even today science really doesn't have an answer for. You know, we can measure the earth. That's not that hard to do. But you know, when we look out, do you really know how big it really is? Have you ever thought about when you travel the distance you have to travel to go somewhere? The earth we live on is huge. It's not some... Uh, can't remember who said it was a small blue marble. You know, when you're looking at it from that far out in space, maybe it looks like it. But it's not small. It's huge. We think we know how fast the speed of light is, but we really don't know for sure because we can only measure reflected light speed. We don't know if it travels faster from its source to the to the point where it gets reflected back so we can time it. We don't know if it travels faster upon reflection than it does um, when it when it begins. These are the things that we have to question. We look at uh, outer space and we think, well, you know, it's so many light years apart. Well, how do we know if we can't truly measure how fast it travels. When they tried to take a clock or two clocks that were synchronized sitting side by side and they moved them away from each other, the farther apart they got, even though they were perfectly synchronized and together they were uh, exactly the same, the farther they moved apart, the more out of synchronization they got. Now, that sounds a little strange, but talk to the scientists. When you're trying to measure something that travels as fast as light, you've got to, you know, you've got to be pretty precise, right? But it's kind of, this is going to sound bad, it's kind of the way the government spends money. You know, a few million here, a few million there, a few billion here, a few trillion. Who cares? It's only money. That's sort of the way science approaches the speed of light right now. Well, we know it's this based on, you know, the calculations we've done, the experiments we've done. But we really don't know. And that leads us uh, to the next um believe she's going to continue in verse 31. Can you tie up the stars of the Pleiades? Pleiades. 
can you loosen the ropes of the stars in Orion? Orion. Can you bring out the stars at the right times? Or can you lead out the stars of the bear with its cubs? Do you know the laws of the sky? Can you understand the rule over the earth? Can you shout an order to the clouds and cover yourself with the floods of water? Can you send lightning bolts on their way? Do the flashes of lightning report to you and say, Here we are. <laughs> now, he's asking Job these questions. And it's, it's, I think, fascinating because until recently, we didn't know there were so many stars in the Pleiades constellation. It's also known as the Seven Sisters, by the way. But modern science is only now beginning to catch up to what's been, well, what I consider the most scientific book in the Bible for centuries. Uh, in chapter 40, verse 2, it's interesting. Will the person who argues with God all-powerful correct him? You know, the Creator's saying, Job, this isn't your fight to fight. The people who reject me is out of their ignorance, and it's for them to resolve with me. It's not for you to resolve. Later, he's going to uh, say to Job, Look at Behemoth. I made him just as I made you. He eats grass like an ox. Look at the strength he has in his body. The muscles of his stomach are powerful. His tail extends like a cedar tree. The muscle of, muscles of his thighs are woven together. His bones are like tubes of bronze metal. And his legs are like bars of iron. He's one of the, one of the first of God's works but his maker can destroy him. Now, some people will try to argue uh, that this, what's being described here is either an elephant or a hippopotamus, but that's not what's being described. What's being described is altogether different. Uh, now, it's probably not a Tyrannosaurus rex, okay? But it is describing a very large and a very powerful animal. And I know that we've thrown out a whole lot of questions and not a lot of answers. But hopefully, you know, you're going to think about these and have enough interest to look more deeply into Job. And I enjoy Job because it causes us to think about creation. And what do we really actually know about the world we live on? The scientific answers that are given in Job prove we can trust the sacred word of the Creator. Not just about the spiritual things, but about the physical things as well. And when we can trust the Bible to answer those things, maybe, just maybe, and I should say hopefully, we can be con convinced uh, to live the way we're designed to live. We'll be convinced that I don't have to go my own way. I can trust what I read in my Bible. You know, we can dig up bones and we can know how an animal died. But we really don't know exactly how it lived. 
Now, I know a lot of scientists out there will try to say, well, because you know this animal had huge teeth, it was obviously a carnivore, it was a ferocious you know, beef eater or meat eater. Uh, people just wouldn't be safe around it. That was the thought for years and years and years. And now, well, maybe not. Guess what they're finding uh, embedded in the teeth of the fossil? Well, they're not really fossils at this point. It, the, the teeth they're finding from T-Rex have chlorophyll in them. Plant matter. They're finding out that these things, maybe they did eat grass. Maybe they were vegetarian. You know, if you look at the teeth of a little fruit bat, you know, and you looked at them under a microscope, you'd say, man, those things are just, you know, horrendous. But those little bats eat fruit. They're vegetarian. We can look further into space now than we've ever been able to before. You know, first we had the Hubble Space Telescope. Now we've got the new one that's out there. I can't remember the name of off the top of my head. And we're going, hmm, there's more out there than we thought. You know, when, when our Creator stretched out the heavens, He stretched them out His way to suit Him not to suit us. We can send scientific equipment to the bottom of the ocean, but we can't see very much. We can only see what <laughs> what's in front of the light, right? It's dark down there. Light doesn't get there. Sunlight doesn't get there. It's dark. If it's not right in front of that light, we don't see it. We may be missing, who knows, what we, we might be missing the, the Rehav, right? We don't know. Because we are limited in what we have access to. What we can do, and here's what's important, what we can do is we can trust the word of our Creator. We can trust it to tell us how we are to live and how we are to love. We can trust the Bible to tell us what our Creator wants us to know, what He says is important for us. We don't need to depend on modern scientific theory. Right? Because theory isn't proven. It's just a, I think this is the way it is. That's all a theory is. I It might have been this way. It might have been that way. There might have been a big bang. Well, I doubt there was a big bang. I'm more convinced that there was a, I'm going to do this. And he went ahead and did it. We don't have to worry about evolution. Now, evolution says that a dinosaur turns into a bird. Well, find me a reptile that turns into a bird. Haven't found one yet. We have tons upon tons of fossil uh, 
pieces and fragments. There has not been a transitionary species found yet. What starts out as a reptile stays a reptile. That doesn't mean that things don't adapt to their surroundings. But it doesn't matter what we ever run across in nature. Nothing, and I mean nothing, ever increases in information. And when I say that, it's like <clears throat> if you have two uh, long-haired dogs and they eventually adapt to the warmer weather and their hair gets shorter, that particular breed will never, ever have long hair again because that information is lost. We just went through the COVID-19 virus. That virus can't change into anything else. It has to remain a virus. And it will lose information. It will lose its potency. It will lose everything. It will remain a virus. It'll still make you sick, but it won't make you as sick the more often it loses information. What they want to talk about, mutation. What that is, is the next generation that has lost information. It's interesting that we can look back in the Bible and find everything out that we need to know about how to live on our planet today. If you really want to know what was written, don't stop with our modern translations. Dig a little deeper. Get back to the original. Don't get tunnel vision. You know, don't don't limit yourself. But let creation speak for itself. You know know what Job had to say about creation in, in Job 12? He said, ask the animals and they will teach you. Ask the birds of the air. They will tell you. Speak to the earth. It will teach you. Or let the fish of the sea tell you. Every one of these knows that the hand of our creator has done this. It was him who made it. It was him who spoke and said, this is the way it's going to be. And we don't have to worry about changing any of it because, well, in the beginning, it was very good. We might have screwed it up, but in the beginning, it was very good. I did see a very um, eh, odd article. And you probably won't see this in any of the um, mainstream news medias. But there's more ice in the Arctic today than there has been in 30 years. So, so much for um, global warming. The creator will take care of his creation. And that includes each and every one of you. Did you have anything you wanted to add to that? Thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Until Monday, many, many blessings, everyone.